House and Senate are scheduled to be in recess until May 4th, given that the District of Columbia is under a shutdown order until May 15th. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see that May 4th date slip, except that maybe, maybe the House will have to come back briefly this week to pass another coronavirus response package. So to the coronavirus response update, on the legislative front, Democrats led by Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, acting in concert with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, last week blocked a bill offered by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell that would have added another $251 billion to the funds in the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program, which ran out of money last Thursday. Democrats refused to let the funding bill pass with a unanimous consent agreement because they wanted to add more money for hospitals and for state and local governments whose treasuries are being socked by the double whammy of less revenue coming in because of less economic activity while their spending on social programs goes up. Over the course of the last several days, Republicans have indicated they may be willing to add money to the bill for hospitals, but they are still holding firm against adding more money for state and local governments. As of Sunday morning, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, Senate Minority Leader Schumer, and House Speaker Pelosi all said that they were very, very close to a deal. So close to a deal that they set out a a timeline indicating passage through the Senate on Monday and passage through the House on Tuesday. The deal in the making would add another $300 billion to the Paycheck Protection Program, along with $50 billion more for emergency disaster loans for small businesses in another loading program. In addition, there could be as much as $75 billion for hospitals and $25 billion for more testing for COVID-19. But as of Sunday morning, at least, the deal does not include an additional $150 billion for state and local governments beyond what they already had allocated in the third coronavirus response bill. Meanwhile, President Trump, it seems to me, has made the calculation that he's got his base behind him. From an electoral standpoint, at least, I think he believes that anyone who's pushing to reopen the economy now is going to be with him in the fall, no matter what he does between now and then, because they will believe he would be the better man to have in the Oval Office to lead us out of this depression. That's the only conclusion I can come to based on his somewhat erratic behavior earlier in the week. Monday, He declared that as president, he had total authority over the decision whether or not to reopen the economy. But by Thursday, he was effectively ceding control and authority to the state governments. And we know that the state governments, many of which are led by Democrats, are in no rush to reopen their states. Meanwhile, grassroots demand to reopen is bubbling up from below. Over the course of the last week, we've seen demonstrations at state capitals in Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Virginia, and North Carolina, with tens of thousands of protesters demanding that their governors reopen their states for business. On Friday, less than 24 hours after saying he was happy to let the governors take the lead on reopening their states, President Trump was tweeting in support of the end the shutdown protesters. Now to Russia collusion, more on the Russian collusion front. You'll recall that last year, Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz issued a report on the FBI's activities in seeking a foreign intelligence surveillance warrant against a U.S. citizen, Carter Page, who had been a volunteer for the 2016 Trump for President campaign. That 400-odd page document revealed that Horowitz had found no fewer than 17 major errors or omissions across the four different warrants the FBI sought. As definitive as the Horowitz report was, it was not totally definitive for the public because there was classif- there were classified footnotes included, included but redacted, so we in the public could not read them. Senator Chuck Grassley, the Republican from Iowa who chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Senator Ron Johnson, the Republican from Wisconsin 
who chairs the Senate Homeland Security Committee, pushed the Department of Justice to declassify the footnotes, and a week ago Friday, they were released. The declassified notes reveal that the FBI itself believed that Steele was part of a larger Russian intelligence disinformation campaign, and that his so-called report, upon which the FBI relied for much of the documentation behind its applications for FISA warrants against Carter Page, was compromised by Russian efforts to poison the well, wrote the Wall Street Journal, quote, but the footnotes reveal the FBI was further warned that the investigators' network had been infiltrated by Russian intelligence. The FBI received a report in 2017 outlining a, quote, inaccuracy in the dossier about the activities of former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen. Quote, the redacted stated that it did not have high confidence in this subset of Steele's reporting and assessed that the referenced subset was a part of a Russian disinformation campaign to denigrate U.S. foreign relations, end quote. The footnote also says a report in 2017 told the FBI that claims involving Trump activities during a 2013 trip to Moscow were false and the result of Russian intelligence, quote, infiltrating a source into the network, unquote, of a redacted who compiled a dossier of information on Trump's activities, end quote. A separate footnote noted the FBI ignored a warning that a steel contact was, quote, rumored to be a former KGB SVR officer, unquote, while another footnote showed the FBI closed its eyes to Mr. Steele's, quote, frequent contacts, unquote, with Russian oligarchs. There are still portions of the footnotes that remain classified. Grassley and Johnson are seeking further declassification so we can all see what the full Horowitz report had to say. Now to 2020 Democrats. Since last we talked, Vermont Democratic Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders decided to end his second bid for the Democratic nomination for president and then shocked the political world by following that up with an endorsement of the Democratic frontrunner, Joe Biden. Sanders' endorsement was quickly followed by an endorsement from former President Barack Obama, and that endorsement was followed by an endorsement from Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Meanwhile, Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson, chairman of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security, maintains that he will release his committee's report on Hunter Biden's activities in Ukraine, serving on the board of the nation's largest natural gas company while his father was vice president and overseeing U.S. policy toward Ukraine. And that's our Washington Report for this week.